Hi, and welcome to the Samuel and Manuel Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Sam Reimer. And I'm Manny Manuel. How did I do? You uh, did great! Uh, I didn't fuck it up. <laughs> uh, Manny pointed out to me uh, right before we went on air that uh, he does the intro and the outro. So uh, we uh, thought we'd switch it up a little bit. So yeah, because I'm a narcissistic to motherfucker. Were expecting to hear Manny's beautiful voice right out of the gate and <laughs> that heard mine. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm way too fucking narcissistic. I was like, I'm gonna do them both. <laughs> I don't. I I didn't even realize it until just the other day, and I was like, I'm a fucking dick. It's just the way it's always been. I mean, like we kind of started that way. Like first show, you were like, Hey, you okay if I do the intro? And then we also, I think you just sort of did the outro as well, and then we just sort of continued on. Yeah, here I'm, we are. We're evolving. Yeah. Who says we're, who says we're not trying new things? I get to do both because your name's first in the podcast. That's, That's what I was fair. figuring. That seems like a reasonable trade-off. I'll take first billing over Fair's that. Fair is <laughs> fair. Uh, so this week we're actually introducing a new, uh, a new program, a new uh, wrinkle in our show. And uh, Sam and I spent a whole 15 seconds discussing the name of it. We came up with this amazing name called Hidden Gems and Guilty Pleasures. Uh... If anybody out there, after we describe what we're going to be doing, if you have a better name for it, please let us know because we're not married to that name. <laughs> but uh, after 15 seconds of deliberation, that's the best that we could come up with. This is the Sampas versus Salmonese yeah. all over again. <laughs> I fuck, it's, all, it's the Sampas for sure. I fucking love that name. Um, so Sam and I have been discussing this, uh, this type of show for a while now. and We finally found a way to make it work. Uh, what we did is Sam and I are uh, we compete in a movie related quiz uh, on the Quiz Up app on our phones. Uh, it's a trivia game with seven questions, uh, with the winner getting to choose a movie for us to review at a later date, which we are going to do today. In the case of a tie, we will both choose a movie and do a double review. The loser of the contest then gets to pick the category for the next trivia, but it must remain movie related. Um, so, going in, we're going to give you guys a play-by-play of what happened last week when we had our movie trivia. So, with this Quiz Up app, you actually you get points, obviously, for being right and at which the speed you answer. So, the faster you know the answer, um, the more points you get. So, um, it's... Oh, sorry, well, go ahead. I was but... say the, the category that we did was just movie general knowledge seemed like an appropriate first category to do, just any general old movies and i knew of course that manny generally knows more about movies than i do uh just by nature of experience <laughs> and uh so my general strategy through the first quiz was just answer as quick as possible and hope to get it right and hope that i can outscore him because again the longer you take the fewer points that you get so i was just answering as quick as possible and hoping for the right ones to, to outscore him significantly enough to make up for the wrong answers that would inevitably come so, first question. Who played the title role in Forrest Gump? We both got it right away. Tom Hanks. We did do an episode on the guy. Yeah. <laughs> we, should, we should get that right. Um, That's my biggest fear is incorrectly answering one of the more obvious questions. Uh, I know, right? That, were, that are official. Um, so, after the first question, one of seven, it's tied at 2020. We move on to the second question. Morgan Freeman and Alanis Morissette not only have the same birthday, they've also both played what character? The answer? God. Both of us nailed that one right away. 40-40 after two. So far, so good. 
Third question. Which actor reprised his starring role for the 2011 animated film Kung Fu Panda 2? And with the quick thumb and finger of Sam and Manny facing off, boom, Jack Black is the correct answer. 60-60 after three questions. Can I just say, if this whole podcasting thing doesn't work out, you have a career as a commentator. This is, <laughs> <laughs> this is ripping. Thanks. I was I'm on the edge of my seat right now. <laughs> Question four. What was Cary Grant's character, John Robbie, formerly known as in the film To Catch a Thief? Manny didn't know this answer, and he guessed the cat. I'm assuming Sam didn't know the answer. <laughs> because I got it wrong. <laughs> and guessed the wolf. <laughs> Sam. Oops, we got it wrong. Sam yeah. guessed the cat. Manny guessed the wolf. Sam is right. Sam I takes... Sam takes a 76-60 lead. That was a fucking guess. <laughs> Question five. And this is the one that bothered me the most. Yeah. Which of these actors appears in both Dallas Buyers Club and The Wolf of Wall Street? I have never seen Dallas Buyers Club. We both nailed it with Matthew McConaughey. Now, the reason that this question bothered me is that on the screen of the question is a picture of Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, that was fucking bullshit. Like, yeah. <laughs> forgot about that. So after five questions, Sam leading Manny, 96-79. In the movie The Incredible Burt Wonderstone, who played Burt Wonderstone? We both nailed it with Steve Carell. So after six questions, heading into the final round, Sam leads Manny, 116 to 97. He must be feeling good about his chances. I was, I was giddy at this point. <laughs> we should mention the final question, the seventh question, is worth double. That's so it's usually the decider. Very true. So heading into the seventh and final question, worth double points. What film was a directorial debut of Josh Boone? I should mention, I should just interject, Manny and I have talked about this since... Neither of us have any fucking clue who Josh Boone is. I still haven't Googled him, nor do I care to Google him. I have no clue or desire who that is. <laughs> so Sam lights up the answer, language of a broken heart. The classic yes. language of a broken heart. Yes. I have no idea. Manny guesses, stuck in love. Another classic. And nails it. <laughs> to get double points. To finish the game, 133-116, Manny wins the first game of hidden gems and guilty pleasures which is such bullshit i might add just because <laughs> we both guessed on two questions and yeah we got them 50 50 but the one that he guessed right just so happens to be double i don't know i'm i'd, I'd like a recount this is you can recount up i've got it right here <laughs> this is the 2000 election all over again <laughs> so with my win yeah which i celebrated immensely with <laughs> i'm I, sure you did i did i I was like dousing myself in Coca-Cola. It was unreal. Um, I decided to, uh, because it was kind of a short notice game for us, I picked a, a movie that was easily available to the both of us to watch. And I picked the 1994 film written and directed by Luc Besson, Lyon, The Professional. Uh, just before we get started on it, uh, it's a 1994 film. I was kind of surprised it actually only got uh, 64 on Metascore. That kind of made me sad, I won't lie. Um, and then, uh, so, plot synopsis. 
Matilda, a 12-year-old girl, is reluctantly taken in by Leon, a professional assassin, after her family is murdered. Leon and Matilda form an unusual relationship as she becomes his protege and learns the assassin's trade. This film I, is- I should just say before we go into this that I'm so happy you recommended this one solely because I knew nothing about it. Like, it's, it's one thing to check out a movie that someone's been hyping up to you for a long time, and you and I have talked about movies nonstop, of yep. course. But this is a movie that I don't think I had heard of. I barely knew anything about. I basically knew everything about it from the Netflix thumbnail. That was my entire experience of this movie before going into it, which I am always happy to do going into a movie pretty much blind. Perfect. All right. So, Leon the Professional, Sam, what's your uh, spoiler-free thoughts on the film? My spoiler-free thoughts on the film uh, are that it's very interesting. It's... uh, (laughs) is a weird weird movie for one thing uh, i am just gonna say off the bat that <laughs> there's uh a, the, the reveal of who the villain is it's right at the beginning it's like the way the scene is shot his back is to the camera most of the time the main villain and when he turns around what no go ahead go ahead when he turns around and you see that it's gary oldman <laughs> I hadn't again. I knew nothing about this movie. I didn't know it was Gary Oldman. That's fucking awesome. Him. <laughs> I just went no fucking way, and I like I, I laughed. It's oh man, Gary Oldman's the highlight of this movie easily. He's like I believe I, I've quoted you on this numerous times when we were talking about um, what's her face from Thor Ragnarok. Um, Kate Blanchett. Yeah, Kate Blanchett. Thank you. When we were talking about Kate Blanchett's performance in uh, Thor Ragnarok. You described it as eating the biggest ham sandwich ever. Uh, that's very much Gary Oldman in this movie. <laughs> He's incredibly over the top. Dare I call it Nick Cage-esque. It's, it's yelling and creepy, and it's it's great. I love Gary Oldman's easily the best part of this movie. Um, overall, I think I was entertained, and it was... Uh, it was quite an interesting movie. There are some ups, there are some downs. We'll get into those. Okay. Um, I, I don't know exactly. It seems very 90s. It's a very 90s plot for a movie. You know, a hitman taking a 12-year-old girl under his wing. and like It's it, it's a very 90s plot for a movie. So in some ways, I, I know it's kind of supposed to be a little bit cheesy, which was, uh, which was fine. And I'm totally up for cheesy popcorn flicks every now and again. At times, I kind of felt like it didn't really know what it wanted to be. At times, it kind of wanted to be a comedy, and at times, it took itself a little bit too seriously. Um, but overall, I, I had fun. Um, it's probably not going to make my all-time list uh, in any in any regard, but um, with Gary Oldman's hilariously over-the-top performance, I think it uh, it elevates this movie, and I, I had a good time. Good. I'm glad. Uh, for me, Leon... Um... This will never make my top 20, probably wouldn't even make my top 100, but I fucking love this movie. I I know I didn't see it in the theater when it came out, but I, I definitely saw it when it hit home video um, in the probably late, ni- late, late 94, maybe early 95, depending on when it was released. Uh, again, I don't remember how I heard about it, um, but after watching it, I was fucking stunned. Um, so I grew up with this movie, so my connection to it is a little bit deeper because of that, because I've watched this movie numerous times. Um, do you know who Luc Besson is? No. Okay. No idea. He is the writer and director of The Fifth Element. Oh, okay. 
okay. He also did Valerian, not that good, yeah. but visually stunning, which you and I on separate occasions have we talked have, about. But yeah. Um, this is this is the movie that kind of captured my attention with him, and then Fifth Element came out very soon after this, uh, and he just fucking skyrocketed up my favorite list for sure. Um, and I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I think he actually did. I can't remember what it was called, but it's a Joan of Arc movie with Mila Jovovich um, that wasn't that good. Um, yeah. And then I think he took a very long time off. Um, but I, I, I do love this movie. In um, regards to Gary Oldman, he is, he is the fucking highlight of this movie. He is having a shit ton of fun in this movie. I love him. Uh, this is actually also, this is Natalie Portman's film debut. Is it? Yep. I mean, that makes sense. She's 12 years old in this movie. Yeah. Or at least the character is 12 years old. Yep. And uh, I think if I saw correctly, I think she was 11 when they were filming. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, and then uh, Jean Reno plays uh, plays Leon. And uh, he uh, he's he's fine. He doesn't really have a lot to do. It's it's weird that he's in the title of the movie. I was going to say this in my general thoughts. He's in the title of the movie, and I, I honestly didn't think... A better title for this movie would be Matilda the Professional, honestly. It's... Yeah, because the film's not about Leon. No, not it's, at all. Yeah, it's about Matilda. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. I, I, other than that, you know, like, we'll... Um, uh, let's, let's just dive into the movie. So we're going to spoil the shit out of it. Um, just bef- since we're going to get into spoilers... <clears throat> And for those of you that haven't listening that are thinking about uh, maybe watching this movie before we get into spoilers, Sam, would you recommend someone to watch this movie? Oh, yeah. Um, I, I It really depends on the person and what you're looking for on a given night. For me, this is the type of movie you need to be in a certain mood for. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I think it's a, it's a good sort of shut your brain off uh, popcorn movie or invite your friends over and, and watch Leon the Professional kind of movie. Um if, if you're the type, you know, if you're looking for something really quality or you're looking to appreciate, like, a, a mammoth acting performance or something like that, uh, it, I wouldn't recommend it for that, really. It's uh, it's not really a uh, not, not a real deep movie. It's You're not really going to learn a whole lot from this movie, both in terms of uh, its themes or its, uh, you know, uh, cre- its creation, its, uh, its filmmaking. But that being said, if you if you just want something fun on Netflix to watch for a night, I I'd recommend it for sure. Perfect. I obviously will recommend this movie as well. Okay, so you've been warned. From here on in, we're spoiling the movie. We're gonna spoil a lot, and there's a lot to spoil in this movie. So fair warning. Five, four, three, two, one. Now you're in shit zone. All right. So, um, the I'm looking at the plot synopsis or the the plot summary here on Wikipedia, and it actually doesn't start off the way I want it to start off. So I'm going to skip the first paragraph in here because I actually want to talk about the opening of this movie. And this is our introduction, our introduction, our introduction to Leon and the yeah. first real job you see him do. I fucking love this scene. It oh, it's, com- a, it's it's great. It's yeah, a great opening scene. For it sure. really shows what a fucking badass that leon is if anything it this movie set the bar a little bit too or sorry this scene set a little bit uh too high set the bar too high for me uh, took me about five turn five tries to get that sentence out um but i'd edit yeah, it out it, but i'm lazy <laughs> um 
yeah, like the opening action scene in this is really, really good. And I was expecting like a like a heist sort of movie after this. And I was expecting like Leon, like a Mission Impossible sort of thing after this. Like this this scene really uh, gets the movie going off the bat with all of its action. Do you feel that? Be- and and I agree. Like I mm-hmm. I agree that the opening of this movie sets the bar so high that the rest of the movie can't really doesn't doesn't reach that height again. And I agree one hundred percent. The only time I feel it does is actually the end of the movie, like the end conflict scene. For sure. But everything in the middle doesn't quite get there. Um, do you find that that might be the reason why you didn't enjoy this movie as much because that that opening scene is so fucking good? Yeah, the the gap between the first and the third acts is it's lacking a little bit. Um, the the middle of the movie largely just focuses on Leon and Matilda's relationship with one another. There's not really a big action set piece in the middle of this movie to sort of tie it all together. It's mainly the opening uh, break into this guy's apartment and the and the closing uh, final battle are the two big action set pieces. It sort of was lacking a little bit of action in the middle from from my perspective. Yeah, I and, and I. I that's sort of what I meant, by the way, uh, when saying what I, I didn't really know what this movie wanted to be at certain times. It's a little bit tonally unfocused because it starts off like as a really good, cheesy action movie. And there are a couple of lines that like totally establish it as a really good, cheesy action movie. Like um, when Leon's holding the gun to the guard's face, who's on the walkie-talkie with the guy whose apartment they're breaking into. And he says, uh, tell, him, tell him I'm coming up. And then he asks, who's coming up? And he says, somebody serious. And then he shoots the guard in the head, and then the guy goes, somebody's coming up, someone's serious. And it's like, it's a good little laugh, and it establishes this sort of cheesy action movie tone, which is great. And then, you know, for the middle portion of the movie, it doesn't really meet those expectations, which I found sort of weird. Yeah, no, I I, I do not disagree with what you're saying at all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I do like, that opening scene is one of my favorite character introductions of all time like it's, it's pretty fucking awesome yeah it like i said like i said it starts off like it really shows what a fucking badass he is it's almost like they shot that scene and then we're like okay what do we call this thing i guess we call it leon and then they realize through the rest of the movie that you know it's not really about leon but they just kind of tied it on to the beginning of the movie anyway because it was so fucking badass <laughs> uh okay so that from uh, so with with this opening scene leon is is sent in to send a message to uh i think a competing drug dealer something yeah. like that uh it's like we said it's a complete fucking badass scene it that alone is worth the price of admission and and for me the end scene as well um so we'll there kick- are, oh sorry i was gonna say there are some action movie like not cliches, but like things Tropes. that sort of make you roll your eyes in the in the opening sort of minutes. Like the fact that he has no qualms whatsoever, just brutally killing the underlings. And then when he calls his boss, he says, uh, make sure he understands and then let him go. Like, mm-hmm. if you're going to kill that many people, why not just kill the competitor himself instead of just all of his henchmen? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Totally. Or um, there, was, there was something else. Oh, there's like... There's somebody who says we got company at one point, and it's just like every '90s action movie had to have somebody going, "We got company." <laughs> it, it was a little bit ridiculous, but again, it just establishes this cheesy tone really early. And like, as long as this movie knows what it is and it's in on the joke, I'm totally okay with having it being a, a cheesy action movie. No questions. Yeah, I, I I don't think this movie ever doesn't think it's a cheesy action movie. Mm, I, I think in the middle, it starts to think it's a little bit of a drama, hmm. personally. Between Leon and, and Matilda. I guess I can see that. 
yeah. I mean, there's no action in the middle of the movie, really. So <laughs> if it's not a cheesy action movie, it's just a cheesy movie. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Um, so after this, um, Leon meets Matilda Lando, played by Natalie Portman, a lonely 12-year-old girl. Uh, Matilda lives with her dysfunctional family in an apartment down the hall and has stopped attending class at her school for troubled girls. Matilda's abusive father attracts the ire of corrupt DEA agents who have been paying him to stash cocaine in his apartment. After they discover he has been cutting the cocaine to keep for himself, DEA agents storm the building led by sharply dressed drug addict Norman Stansfield, played by the excellent Gary Oldman. During the... Oh, oh, sorry, I didn't realize you were still reading. Keep going. During the raid, Stansfield quickly becomes unhinged and murders Matilda's entire family while she is out shopping for groceries. When Matilda returns, she realizes what has happened just in time to continue down the hall to Leon's apartment, who hesitantly gives her shelter. So, first of all, Gary Oldman. <laughs> first of all, Gary Oldman. Let's do it. And not talk about him. Speaking of a great character introduction for Leon, Gary Oldman's character introduction is just as good. It's, I mean, it's not like the same thing. It's not a big action scene, really, at least not right away. But, oh my god, does he ever, like, this is one of my favorite performances, honestly, in a long time. Not one of the best. I'm not saying it's one of the best performances. No, no, no. It's one of my favorite performances in a long time. Because it was so, he's so cheesy. He's... He's, uh, he has a hair-trigger temper. He uh, he does this weird, creepy thing where he sniffs Matilda's dad like right out of the gate. <laughs> okay, that's that's when he's when um, if I'm not mistaken, his his friend Benny, mm. um, Benny tells the dad that this guy has an uncanny ability to sniff out a lie. Yeah, and Gary Oldman came up and the uh, the actor who played the dad, his name's Michael Badaluccio, did not know that Gary Oldman was going to do that. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> and so when you watch that scene and you can see how uncomfortable Michael is, the father, in that... Even if that was scripted, how could you not be uncomfortable? I know, but, and, and that's what makes that that's what makes that scene even, even better as Gary Oldman's literally, like, sniffing him, like, right up in his personal space, smelling him, and I was like... I didn't know that that wasn't scripted until I was doing a little bit of research for this for this show, and I was like, "Fuck, that makes it even better." Because I, I, the whole time, I'm like, "That actor who plays the dad is doing a good job of playing uncomfortable." Now for knowing sure. that he was just uncomfortable is even better. <laughs> that was it. Was a pretty funny scene. Um, his love of uh, of Beethoven and classical music. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's just it's just it's these little it's these little quirks that he puts in the characters that just make it so much entertaining. Like this, this it, I agree. It's not the best performance. It's yeah. not bad acting. It's no, overacting. No. It's I'm, and I'm stealing this from another podcast. He's not dipping his toe in the river of ham. He's jumping in. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna ham it up. I am going to. I'm gonna take the biggest bite of a ham sandwich, just like Kate Blanchett and Thor Ragnarok. I yeah. am going to own this movie. I'm gonna have a fucking blast playing this character, and he just fucking knocks it out of the park. It is not That's... a great performance, but it's a fucking fun one. You know what? If you're gonna like, if you're gonna go over top, like, why the fuck not? Like. There's a reason that Nicolas Cage has a devoted fan base. <laughs> it's because he just, like, even if some of his performances are bad, you can't help but respect what he's doing in just 
pouring his heart and soul into every single moment and every single character. And that's what Gary Oldman's doing. He's just... There's so many quotable lines that I guess we'll we'll, we'll probably get to later. But oh, there's a there's a massive one that I still quote to this day. Is it everyone? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> You're fucking right. I I laughed my ass off when uh, there, there's a part later in the movie where Gary Oldman uh, he says get everyone when they're trying to hunt Leon down at the end of the movie, and his henchman goes what do you mean everyone? And he just turns around and goes, everyone (laughs) screams at the top of his lungs. And I laughed so hard. (laughs) Trivia about that scene is Oldman did that take only to make the director laugh. He didn't think he was going to use it. He did it just to make the director laugh. And that's the take they used. It's so good for the character though. They established really early that he has this hair trigger temper and that he he'll murder anyone just for you know ruining his suit, and uh, that he's just this psychopathic murderer. So yeah, the, the yelling and the and all of that stuff, and going from quiet and talking about classical music to you know shooting a guy in the back four times as he's trying to crawl to safety. <laughs> that, that works for his character really well. That family murder scene was always kind of hard for me, especially when they killed the little boy. Yeah, that that was a little bit uncomfortable. I mean, it's it's good to establish Matilda's uh, character arc and mm-hmm. her motivation, but yeah, it was a pretty uncomfortable scene at certain points. There's yeah. some brutal fucking murders. Yeah, big time. Yeah. Um. So with this, um, when Matilda comes back and realizes her family's been murdered, uh, Leon, and I liked how they built the tension with that. Leon's on the other side of the door watching this go down. He's not going to he's not going to interfere because it's none of his business. Mm-hmm. And then when she comes to his door and there's that one DEA agent looking at her trying to see if or he can sense something's a little off and that tension just builds. Yeah, and it, I like it's, that scene. It is it's it's well done. It's not expertly crafted. It's just well done. Um I- I did have a problem. I thought he waited a little bit too long. I thought, or rather the director waited a little bit too long uh, to have him open the door. Yes. Just that they established early that he's this tough guy with a heart of gold, you know, classic 90s movie. He's already talked to Matilda and, you know, sympathized with her situation. When he sees bruises on her, he says, hey, you, you can't, if your dad hits you again, you let me know. And they established that he cares about her early. But then as she's crying at his door, in the face of certain death, like if he, if he doesn't open that door, she's dead. Yep. But like, I can understand a moment's hesitation, like, oh shit, I have to get myself involved in this. But I thought the director waited a little bit too long. Like, I was like, uh, the guy that they, the character that they've established wouldn't have waited that long. Like, he, he would have maybe been hesitant, but he would have opened the door almost immediately, probably, if he was as good a guy as they established him to be. You know what I mean? I do. I do. Um, so moving on from there, mm-hmm, okay. Sure. Uh, Matilda quickly discovers that Leon is a hitman. She begs him to take care of her and to teach her his skills, as she wants to avenge the murder of her four-year-old brother. At first, Leon is unsettled by her presence and considers murdering her, but he eventually trains Matilda and shows her how to use various weapons. In exchange, she runs his errands, cleans his apartment, and teaches him how to read. In time, the pair forms a close bond. Matilda often tells Leon she is in love with him but he refuses to reciprocate. This was... The only way this works is that Jean Renault plays Leon as someone that isn't 
overly intelligent, may yeah. even have a, a bit of a learning disability. Literate in this movie. Yeah, they do establish uh, fairly early that he is obviously well, Jean Reno is French, but they obviously establish early on that he's not from America, even though this is set in New York. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so he can't read or write um, uh, English. So she offers to teach him. Uh, and the only way this relationship works is that he's not, I, I, I guess for lack of a better word, he's not in, he, he doesn't have full capacity of facilities. He's, I think he's a little, he's not, he's not mentally disabled. He's just a little slow. Yeah. He's Forrest Gump. Sorry? <laughs> he's Forrest Gump. Yeah. <laughs> he basically, basically is. Yeah. Uh, he just happens to be an amazing a assassin, assassin yeah. in, instead of a, a shrimp boat captain. Um, <laughs> And so their friendship starts off that's, – that's what makes it believable. If Leon was like your typical kind of assassin, like a, a cold, calculated, highly intelligent man, this movie wouldn't work at all. No, I don't think um, so. And that's one of the things I liked is that uh, Leon doesn't sleep in a bed. He sleeps in a chair, so he's aware of anything that goes on. And when he wakes up the first night that Matilda stares and he takes his gun and puts it to her head – because he knows, because he knows that this is actually the best thing to do, yeah. because he's lived his whole life alone, and he's bettered his job not having to care for somebody else. So he puts the gun to her head, and he comes close to killing her because honestly, that would be the best thing to do for him. Mm-hmm. But then he realizes, <clears throat> I don't, I, I, I don't know if he realizes that he's already. I think at that point he's told her that he doesn't kill women or kids. Yes. Okay, I wasn't sure if it was before or after the scene. Probably I'm before. pretty sure he tells her before. Before, um, so that might be one of the reasons. Or he realizes that, you know, I have been alone my whole life, and it would be nice to have somebody around. I think it's a little bit of both. Probably, it's. Yeah. I, I think he does mention before that it doesn't kill women or kids. So it's part moral code and part loneliness, because they basically establish that his only companions are his boss and his household plant yeah that's that's basically his his only companionship um i can't remember what i can't remember what forces them to leave that first apartment i think it's just because they know that they're going to get caught i think so yeah so yeah so they, they knew that uh the dea agents would probably track her there or would at least search the other apartments yeah or uh, the police i think were also investigating around there yeah. so so they take off they find another uh, apartment uh together uh, and he starts training her somewhat on how to become an assassin um by the way i'm sorry i just read one of the notes that i had that i wanted to touch on that first night that they stay together <laughs> i liked i mean you were talking about how he's not quite uh mentally disabled or anything but he's a little bit dumb and he's, I think, a little bit socially awkward, too, since he doesn't have anyone to talk to. <laughs> the first night that she stays the night, uh, he puts a blanket on her, but it's, like, still folded up. I thought that was a really nice touch. Like, he's he's just, like, thinking about unfolding it, and he just kind of places it on her awkwardly. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. <laughs> I, yeah, it's little, it's, again, I love the little choices the actors make that just add to the character. They're just small yeah. <laughs> little touches that just make things even better. Um, that, that being said, uh, the first, I don't, uh, just one last note on the first time that they meet uh, is that 
you know, she, the scene where they're talking about her family getting murdered and she says, you know, she doesn't care about her dad and she doesn't care about her stepmom. She doesn't care about her stepsister. I, I don't know. I honestly, th- they did a good job of establishing that her family life wasn't good yep. and that she was being abused and stuff like that. But for some reason, I just didn't buy the reaction still. Like, it's still a very traumatic day and she still was upset. But all it takes is uh, is Leon getting a little pig sock puppet out and making oinking noises at her to make her laugh before she forgets about her entire family getting murdered. I thought they glazed over that just a just a wee bit fast. Oh, it's possible. Like they do establish that she has been abused. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of like I I don't I don't think I had no problem with them doing it that bad. Like I think mm-hmm. her father being killed I don't think she would actually be that upset over it, and she uh, like obviously didn't really care about her stepmother, Ste- her stepsister. But the stepsister, it, I, I think she'd probably have a little bit more problem, but obviously the the, the the death of her brother bothered her. Exactly, which uh, it was mostly the death of the brother. Like I can buy the fact that she wasn't upset by the death of the rest of her family, but they do establish that she's upset by the death of the death of her brother. <laughs> death of her brother, easy for me to say. Um, they do establish she's upset by it, so the fact that. You know, she was so easily cheered up. Did irk me just a just a bit. Yeah, I get that. Um, I did. Lo- I did love the scene uh, where she teaches. Uh, she te- uh, he teaches her how to use the sniper gun, and yeah. she shoots that uh, <laughs> senator councilman mm-hmm. who's running through Central Park. That made me laugh. That was a, that was a good little scene. Where I think she shot for the entire. Time she's gonna just whack this random dude for no reason, and I, I was a little bit confused i was like this is an odd direction for this movie to take you're like this is dark (laughs) then it turns out it's a paintball gun it's all it's all good yeah and then she after she shoots him with the paintball she's like when do we get to use real bullets yeah like she's good to go (laughs) yeah she's ready to go um so i did like that um moving on from there uh when leon heads out for an apparent assignment matilda fills a bag with guns from leon's collection and sets out to kill stansfield she bluffs her way into the DE office by posing as a delivery girl, only to be ambushed by Stansfield in a bathroom. One of his men arrives and announces that Leon had just killed one of the corrupt DEA agents in Chinatown that morning. Leon, after discovering her plan in a note left for him, rescues Matilda, shooting two more of Stansfield's men in the process. An enraged Stansfield confronts Tony, who is violently inter- interrogated for Leon's whereabouts. Um... I actually, I I really enjoyed um, the scene with Stansfield and Matilda in the bathroom. Um, again, Oldman just pulling out all the stops. He really gives you a sense of dread and that he probably will kill this girl. Oh, yeah. And he nearly does if it wasn't for his henchmen yep. interrupting him. It, it is a little bit of a, of a deus ex machina, um, but it, I, I completely agree. I, I thought for a bit, like, oh, shit, how is this even going to... How is this even going to work? How is she going to get out of this? Um, there's this weird little quirk in Gary Oldman's performance that's awesome. The thing he does when he takes the pills, that little cracking... I know, the little cracking of the neck? The... Yeah, that is so creepy. I love that. Oh, that me too. So weird. <laughs> After the everyone, that's my second favorite thing. Yeah, that's, that's is, pretty good. <laughs> yeah, when he takes those pills, the cracking of the neck and the like the shiver he gets when the, it goes... Oh, it's... These little fucking nuances that he did are just a fucking... They make the world a difference. Yeah, he's not holding back at all. Uh, we forgot to mention that uh, Tony is played by uh, Danny Aiello. 
and yeah. Danny Aiello, uh, the character of Tony, um, is Leon's kind of contact slash almost boss. Yeah, he's how he gets assignments, yeah. I guess. I would consider him his boss. Yeah, he's the one that gets... I, and I, no, I wouldn't even say he's his boss because, like, yeah, basically just his contact because Tony okay. can't really boss... He doesn't really try to boss Leon around. He just... He, he makes him offers. He's like... Because while he's training Matilda, he mentions he's missed out on a lot of jobs. Yeah, that's right. So he's definitely not his boss. So he's more of his contact. That's uh, fair. And Danny Aiello, I, I really like his... It's a pretty easy performance. Like, it's he's just this old Italian man who owns a... Looks like an Italian restaurant or a pizzeria um, who happens to be connected to the mob and has this little hitman. Um, I, I liked it. Um so when Matilda breaks in the DA office, uh, I liked it. It was kind of inventive how she gets in with the pizza and all that. Uh, I don't know what her plan was. I guess she. Was I don't just... think she knew what her plan was. I mean, I think it it makes sense in that you know she's a twelve year old girl. She's doing what any twelve year old girl would do who wanted to be a hitman, and that's make stupid decisions mm-hmm. and go try to kill people. You know when you have no plan and no backup. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. I mean, it makes sense to her at least. Yeah, uh, it was it was fine. I I like that they. Uh, I like that they. Uh, oh, what's? And I I just I I just like how everything played out, and then um, the when Stansfield goes to Tony uh, again, Oldman playing menacing very well. And you can see, and Danny, Danny Aiello is just playing, uh, like I'm, I'm fucked, like, I'm yeah. fucked, um, very well. Um, okay. Oh, and then okay, and then when Leon goes in to rescue her, complete like, it, it's, and it's what you mentioned. There really isn't an action scene between no. the first one and the end one. Like this is this is fucking quick. It's not. I, you couldn't even call an action scene. It's like. What thirty seconds of him being? I don't yeah, say it's not even him being a badass. He's just ruthless. Just walks in, kills yeah, a people. People get fucked up, and it's it's sweet. But yeah, it's not a not a big action set piece at all. It's no. uh, yeah, a couple seconds. It's not even a minute. Not even close to a minute. Yep. Um, so one they thing had that we, one thing that we did glaze over actually um, that I wanted to talk about the scene where they're uh, they're playing the like the dress up game like the impersonation game charades what's that basically charades yeah basically charades it, it was sort of a miss for me and i like the the first thing was really good when uh, when leon uh, dresses up as john wayne i thought that was really funny but i don't know like natalie portman dressing up as uh marilyn monroe and then madonna at, at certain points and i may be alone here i felt like they were over sexualizing her a little bit both in those scenes and like there's a scene where she refers to leon as her lover and uh, there were a couple points uh, where i was like this director needs to back off sexualizing 11 year old natalie portman a little bit like, yeah there's right? like am i alone there no trust and trust me there's another cut of the movie that i've seen it might uh, be the Blu-ray I have that sexualizes their relationship even more. Really? Yeah. Uh, that bothers me. Like, I, do I even want to know? Like, I, I honestly, I it's been a long time since I've seen that cut. Yeah. Um, but there is, um, yeah, it, it's it gets pretty awkward. 
Like, there's one scene where she says, Leon, I think I might love you. Or I think I'm falling in love with you. I can feel it. And he says, where do you feel it? And her hands are placed very gingerly on her stomach. Like, and she, it's, yeah. it's, it gets kind of weird at points. And I actually really had a problem with it, to be completely honest with you. I, I agree. It's easily the, the, the weakest. And, and by the weakest, I mean, I'm not even say it, it's the worst part of the movie. Yeah, the worst part of the movie is how creepy they get with preteen Natalie Portman. Easily. Yeah, they do get, they get a little creepy this this would not fly today oh could you imagine if this movie was made today like oh my god <laughs> the uproar it would cause like <laughs> be unreal yeah uh, no but even, yeah i, I even agree something as small as it, it sort of occurred to me this didn't offend me as much but like even leon's rule of no women and children like if a if a modern movie had a, a protagonist who had that rule, you know, every feminist group in the world would go, "Why no women? We're we're strong too, right?" Like <laughs> it would be a whole thing, and it would. But yeah. that on top of sexualizing a little girl is yeah, definitely for a different time, but still, still not a great look even today. Yeah. Um, as Matilda and Leon recover from the ordeal, Matilda attempts to seduce Leon. Leon refuses, instead opening up about how he became a cleaner. When Leon was young in, in Italy, he was in love with a girl from a wealthy family. The two made plans to elope, but when the girl's father discovered their relationship, he killed her out of anger and escaped justice. Leon killed the man out of revenge and fled to New York, where he met Tony and trained to become a cleaner. Um, the, oh, I can't believe this gets a whole paragraph, but it's, it's a pretty short scene. But it gives you it, it basically just tells you how Leon came to america basically i have nothing i need to add about that i don't think yeah <laughs> um as we get into the final act and the other highlight of the movie uh later while matilda returns home from grocery shopping an nypd esu team sent by stansfield captures her and attempts to infiltrate leon's apartment leon ambushes the esu team and rescues matilda Leon creates a quick escape from Matilda by smashing a hole in an air shaft. He then reassures her, telling her that he loves her and thanks her thanks her for giving him a taste for life, moments before the police blow up the apartment. In the chaos that follows, Leon sneaks out of the building disguised as a wounded ESU officer. He goes unnoticed, save for Stansfield, who follows him and shoots him in the back. As he is dying, Leon places an object in Stansfield's hand that he says is from Matilda before <laughs> succumbing to his wounds. Stanfield discovers that it is a grenade pin. He then opens Leon's vest to find a cluster of active grenades which detonate, killing Stansfield. That's a long-winded paragraph telling you about the second best scene in this movie. Yeah, this, where, uh, where Leon fucks some people up. Yes. Um, the... There's there's a whole bunch of uh, hidden things in this scene that are actually kind of cool uh, that I didn't know again until we did research for this. Okay. Uh, the first thing is uh, they they noticed uh, every time that Matilda goes for groceries, bad things happen. Yeah, I actually I actually did notice that for sure because uh, by the last time uh, that she goes for groceries and she ends up getting taken by the DEA agents, I was like, man, this this chick really needs to stop getting getting groceries because the first time she gets groceries in this movie her entire family gets murdered <laughs> so mm -hmm. rough rough week for matilda the uh the secret knock that she does yeah it's actually morse code for die Ooh, i like that me too it's, it's three knocks two knocks and one right yeah something like that knock, um knock, 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 knock. and then 
so those are the, the two little hidden things. The thing I love about this is, again, it just really shows what a fucking badass Leon is. And I fucking love it. Like, when those... When the first wave of officers go into his apartment and the door closes and you don't see anything, you just hear all these bullets going and then the door opens again and you just see all these dead agents and Leon's nowhere to be found and you're like, I remember, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, (laughs) how the fuck did he do this? And then the next wave come in and then they show how he did it as he's got the core strength of a fucking superhero there's a reason like they every time they show him in his apartment he's doing sit-ups and i was actually going to say how many fucking sit-ups does this guy need to do apparently a lot because that's fucking because he's holding himself up by his legs on this bar above the door to the apartment and he just closes the door and shoots them and it was it's such a fucking badass move yeah and then it just it goes from there um there's just it's just a great scene. He he rescues he he does rescue Matilda from these agents in a, a really cool way. Uh, he had he did get shot in the shoulder. Um, he does rescue her. They like I said in the thing he he puts her down the stair shaft. He does confess his love for her as well. Um, I personally think he it's not obviously it's not in, in no way shape or form do I ever believe it's the same love that she has for him. It's it's a more of like a brotherly fatherly type of love and also a way to get her to go because yeah, he knows sure. that she just wants to stay with him and he knows that he probably can't get out of this alive with her um i love how he gets out his escape as oh, he it's, it's i was actually i was actually wondering was there are certain times in movies when there's just a situation beyond a character's control that they managed to get out of where you can't even suspend your disbelief. The the situation in Matrix Reloaded comes to mind Ugh. where Neo has to fight off like a hundred different agents and you know it it gets a little like yawn at some points because you just like you don't feel that sense of danger anymore. You don't feel that sense of realism. It, it sort of goes away. In this scene when uh, Leon is confronted with hundreds of agents, I was I was literally thinking like here we go, Matrix Reloaded pretty much but he outsmarts them instead, which actually runs sort of counter to some stuff that we said about Leon not being the brightest, because this is a pretty smart move that he pulls. One of the agents that he kills, uh, he steals his uniform and uh, poses as an injured agent. Well, I guess he is actually injured, Um, but he poses as an agent and is uh, taken out of there while everyone else is looking for him. Yes, with the gas mask on, that's why he he gets so far. And and this is actually, we we forgot to touch on it, because just before... They come into his apartment. That's when the famous line of everyone is uttered by yeah. uh, by Gary Oldman. Um, everyone. Yeah. Oh, it's so fun. If for anybody that hasn't seen the movie, and for some reason, if you're still listening to this, I don't know why. But yeah. just YouTube Gary Oldman. Everyone. It's fucking brilliant. <laughs> that that line is worth the cost of admission. Oh, it so is. So he puts the gas mask on. And this is one of the scenes where I was just like, fuck. And you can see it like on, on Jean Renault's face as well. He's being let out because they think he's an injured ESU agent, and you, ESU agent. And he's walking down these stairs, and there's literally hundreds of people yeah. there just to get him. 
They like, were as good as they've established he is as a hitman. He would have gotten his ass handed to yeah, him. Yeah, th- there was if, no uh, way. On these agents. There's no way that he was making it out alive. But as he's walking down the stairs, passing all these agents, it's just awesome. And he's only discovered because one of the the medics is looking him over, and he has to take off his mask. And nobody. The funny thing is, um, because there's no photos of him, none of these, and and that's why this is plausible. None of these agents know what he looks like. Yeah. The only person that does is Stansfield. Yeah. And Stansfield is just happens to be walking by as he's getting checked out and sees him, and he just kind of. The weird thing is that he, I, I found it. Uh, it doesn't bother me because I do like. How the next scene how it plays out mm-hmm. I'm sure you just would have said something like that's the guy there get him but I love that Stansfield just kind of slips behind and just kind of watches him and then uh, Leon walks out and I love how they did it with the camera it's a little overplayed but I, I love Leon's just he's walking towards the outside and he he can sense his freedom he's, he's made it as soon as he gets outside he's home free he's home mm-hmm. free and he doesn't know that Stansfield's right behind him, and they sw- they keep switching to a shot of Leon, and then they switch to his point of view where you are, where he is the camera, and then they just you just see this flash of light, and then the point of view falls to the ground because he's been shot. Yeah, um, I liked the way that they shot. It was pretty unique, honestly. I haven't seen that in a lot of action movies. You would think, like even now, this is what twenty four years after this movie was made. And it, I haven't seen anyone really copycat that style, which is weird because it was it was sort of unique. It was interesting. Yeah, I, I loved it. Um, and then that's when the the ring trick is pulled. Uh, he uh, he stands field standing over top of him, and and Leon tells him that this is from Matilda, and uh, he reaches up with his bloody hand and and, and puts something in Stansfield's hand. And he opens it up, and you everyone knows what it is, but Stansfield's uh, un. This- unsure for a second and then he just rips open his vest and leon's just covered in Mm. grenades it's sort of the quintessential 90s movie death like where they get a chance to say shit before something blows up like they get one last curse in it's 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 sort of again like really cheesy moment there but i i liked it It yeah it's a great death um leon is dead you get to kill the bad guy um so from the, did you want to add anything to that last scene? Like, I, I don't think we need to do a play by play of everything, but like, I, no, that, I I do fucking love that last scene. No, that that last scene we did mention at the beginning of this that you know the opening scene is quite good. There's a little bit of a lull in the middle of this movie, and then this last action scene is quite good as well. Um, I don't know if there's anything else I really need to add to it. Cool. Um, Gary Oldman in death continues to ham it up. Um, Leon gets to die valiantly and sacrifice himself in one last act of love for uh, for Natalie Portman. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I quite enjoyed the last uh, latter portion of this movie. Perfect. Uh, Matilda goes to Tony as Leon had told her to do in the event of his death. Tony tells Matilda he had been instructed by Leon to give his money to her if anything happened to him. He offers yeah. to hold it and provide the money on an allowance basis. Uh, Matilda returns to school and meets the headmistress, who readmits her after Matilda reveals what had happened to her. She then walks onto a field near the school to plant Leon's houseplant, as she had told Leon that he should give it roots. Uh, I didn't. I didn't mind this last scene with the headmistress. I, I found it. It was a little I, weird. Like it, it wasn't... she was just very accepting of the whole thing, and like. 
I, I don't know. I think the headmistress's performance was just really weird. Like, she didn't react like a normal person would really react, I don't think. That's yeah. sort of why it felt weird for me. Yeah, I get that. And I think the reason she reacted that way is that they do establish that this is a school for troubled girls. Mm-hmm. So I think the headmistress is used to hearing what she thinks are probably outlandish stories for the reasons of behavior. Um, and that's one of the things I, I liked. Like, she just kind of plays it off as like, okay. Like, I don't, I don't think she truly believes her that Matilda was telling the truth. I think she's just like, okay, this girl's opened up about something, and down the line we'll get the truth. Little does she know that she literally got the truth. <laughs> well, yeah, because she initially tells her a lie when she says, what happened? She says, my mom died in a car wreck or something mm-hmm. to that effect. And then the headmistress says, look, we'll readmit you, but you have to basically have to stop bullshitting me. And, uh, yeah, she, uh, in that sense of it i don't feel like the headmistress would admit her if she believed it was a lie i guess is what i what i sort of felt about it fair enough which why i i really thought that it was odd that she sort of believed her right away but either either interpretation is sort of sort of weird the 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 loose ends being tied up here didn't feel right for just sort of a variety of reasons i think well then you, you might like you might like this uh the plant that um that she plants to grow roots uh is actually incapable of surviving the harsh winters of new york and would have died at the first winter oh <laughs> <laughs> this is what nitpicking movies does to it it's like, actually that plant would have died you just killed it <laughs> yeah you should have kept it fuck growing its roots you should have stayed in its plant and it would have survived exactly. um yeah go natalie there's a a, a couple um uh a couple uh, trivia pieces. One's actually kind of sad that I didn't know. Um, Benny, uh, played by Keith Glasgow, he actually later became a, a member of the New York Fire Department, and he died in the collapse of the World Trade Center on 9-11. No kidding. Yeah. He, was, uh, he played one of uh, Gary Oldman's henchmen, right? Yeah. Yep. Wow. That's, <laughs> that's an interesting and, yeah, very sad little fact. Uh, and then... Uh, Here's the follow-up to when I said that uh, Gary Oldman uh, bring me everyone's scream. Yeah. Uh, in a 2014 Playboy interview, Gary Oldman said his screaming of the now iconic line, bring me everyone, was improvised to make director Luc Besson laugh. In previous <laughs> takes, I'd just gone, bring me everyone, in a regular voice. But then I cued the sound guy to slip off his headphones, and I shouted as loud as I could. The yelled <laughs> take is the one used in the film. <laughs> Oh, that's classic. I love that. Gary Oldman is just like, he's a very, I don't want to say underrated actor in our day, but he he has had a lot of good roles. I mean, this one is totally fucking cheesy, but I've, I've liked him in just about everything I've seen him in. Me too. I, I, I'm a big Gary Oldman fan. Um, yeah. The now Academy Award winning Gary Oldman. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, so actually going by our, our regular stuff when we do reviews, uh, Let's give this movie a score out of five. Yeah. Um, do you want to go first? Sure. Yeah. I would, in my heart, really want to give it a four, but mm-hmm. I can't do it. I got to give it a three. Um, it's the, the middle part is just a little too weak for me. Honestly, if I hadn't rewatched, if you'd asked me before I rewatched it recently, I probably would have given this a four. But, yeah. but after rewatching it, the brilliance of the opening the the brilliance of the introduction of Leon and the and the final scene um just elevated enough for me 
well, I shouldn't say enough. It elevates it more than enough for me to give it a three, but it's just not enough to make it all a four because the middle part is, is just a, it's a little too soft, a little too weak. Um, so yeah, it's it's an easy three out of five for me. Yeah, I'm I'm a little bit torn on this one honestly because you said you were between a three and a four. I'm honestly thinking between a two or a three because on the one hand, this movie was super enjoyable and I would recommend it to people who want a good popcorn flick, but the lack of action for the middle of the movie, the creepy way in which it handles Natalie Portman, uh, and I, I don't know if the two great action scenes and Gary Oldman's performance are enough to give it a three. Eh, I I'm honestly don't know, but I, I, I'm going to give it a two. I'm going to go with a two. Nice. I, I would still recommend it, and but it has enough enough problems in it that I think it, uh, I'm still very glad I watched it, and I would watch it again, but there's enough problems that I think I can justify giving it a go to five. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, all right. So that's, uh, that's our very first edition of Hidden Gems and Guilty Pleasures. Before we sign off here, uh, Sam and I played uh, – Played another round to uh, to get ready for the next one. We sure uh, did. So M- Manny said off the bat that the cat the only rules of the category has to be movie related, right? And he gave this example off camera to me. He's like, so for example, if you wanted to totally fuck me over, you could pick like Harry Potter movies or something. So knowing that I have a massive knowledge disadvantage in the movie department, the category I picked was Harry Potter movies. Now Manny has not seen any of these. And I have seen all eight of them, and I read the books. So I was definitely hoping I was going to be able to win this one. Uh, I was very upset about losing the first one in such dramatic fashion right at the finish line. Um, so, yeah, the Harry Potter movies was uh, quiz number two. So this was for selecting next week's episode. We're um, selecting the movie that we're going to be reviewing next week. Um, I have the questions handy. Would you like me to go through? Sure. <laughs> So the first question was, which of these things does Hermione not say uh, she smells when smelling Amortenia? And I didn't know this, so I assumed Manny didn't. The answer was uh, oranges, I believe. Correct. Yeah. um, Yeah. We both selected freshly mowed grass. Neither of us knew. That was an oddly specific question. (laughs) Uh, Question two was, what magical effect was triggered when Voldemort and Harry's wands connected? And the answer was priori incantatum. Um, Manny and I both got it right somehow. I think we both guessed, right? I fucking guessed. Yeah, I fucking guessed at that one too. I was, I knew you guessed during that one because I guessed during that one. <laughs> Full disclosure, all seven questions, I guessed. Yeah, so it's tied 17-17 at this point. Uh, question three, it's fucking what bullshit. is the gray lady's first name? Uh, again, we choose the same answer. Uh, Rowena? Rowena? Um, and again, we're both wrong. It's Helena. So my plan has not gone very well so far. Uh, we've gone through three questions and we're tied. At this and point, I'm actually, I'm actually, I'm like, I'm, I might pull this off. Yeah. At, at this point, I was genuinely thinking that Manny might have a good shot to win this because <laughs> it's tied through three questions and there's only four to go. Um, the 2007 film, The Order of the Phoenix, was which film in the Harry Potter series? I, of course, knew this one. Uh, it was the fifth. Manny, however, did not thinking that The Order of the Phoenix was third and not The Prisoner of Azkaban, which is the best movie in the whole saga. Okay, nerd. <laughs> so it's 37-17 at this point. 
uh, where do Grindylows live? I had no fucking clue. I think it was in lakes. Manny and I both picked different answers, but we both got it wrong. I don't know what the fucking Grindylow is. I forgot, honestly. It's been so long since I've read the books or watched the movies. Um, what was the first item that Draco Malfoy made disappear, then reappear from the vanishing cabinet? I remember this very specifically because this was the first time I saw symbolism in a movie that I was like, really an apple like you're you're doing the whole like malfoy giving into temptation symbolism it's a little little on the nose so yeah the answer was an apple i guessed a bird <laughs> uh and finally the double or nothing question at this point it's 56 17 so manny needs this one perfect to uh to have a chance to win uh what is the name of the caretaker who dislikes harry potter and that is of course filch and not mad eye moody as manny had unfortunately thought so it's 94 17 final that means yours truly sam reimer gets to choose the movie that we're going to review next week um I, I went through a lot of options on this i couldn't decide if i wanted to do a uh a guilty pleasure movie or if i wanted to do one that i know manny hasn't seen but would enjoy and there are very few of those by the way there are very few movies that i get to recommend to manny to watch <laughs> and Luckily, I decided to go for an actual good movie instead of a shit one. Um, next week, we're going to be reviewing the movie Nightcrawler. Yeah. Um, the movie, as far as I know, I don't have it handy, actually. If I remember correctly, it came out in 2014, uh, maybe 2015. Um, it's, in my opinion, has one of the biggest snubs for an Oscar in recent memory, and that would be uh, the lack of an acting nomination for Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, you have something for me, Manny? Yeah, it is 2014. You're correct. Yeah, 2014. So this is a movie I've seen a bunch of times. I know Manny hasn't seen it. I know he's been looking forward to watching it. It's honestly one of my favorite movies of uh, the recent years, and I cannot wait to get Manny to watch it. Uh, if you have any comments on the uh, quiz or movie. Uh, I'm really excited that you picked a good movie. Um, I actually, uh, in my mind, thought I knew what you are going to pick. I won't reveal it on the show in case... Because it might be a pick. Because it might a- be a pick, and I don't want to... Uh, I don't want to disclose or spoil anything for a future episode. Um, so we are going to do this show every once in a while. Um, the reason we're, that we're doing it uh, two weeks back to back is that Sam and I haven't had a chance to sit down and kind of map out what we're going to be doing in the future. Um, but we'll get on that. Um, please let us know what you thought of of this episode and of the idea for our show with this uh with this segment uh it'll be it'll be one that we do uh probably fairly often uh because it's a lot of fun it is a lot of fun it is a lot of fun um in the future i'll choose a category that's uh that's less tilted in my favor but i just i had to get one win at least (laughs) (laughs) i don't anticipate getting many well that's good because i get to pick the next category (laughs) oh god (laughs) um so uh, with that being said, uh, we're going to wrap it up here. Um, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, pl- again, we would really appreciate any uh, uh, five-star ratings. would be fucking fantastic. Um, but all the ratings and especially the reviews, the more that we get, the, the higher our profile becomes uh, so other people can find us. Um, so all eight of you that are listening, uh, love to get, uh, some reviews and feedback. If you do, if you'd like to get feedback, uh, I do get some feedback from some of our loyal listeners, especially you, uh, Michael and Rachel. I hear from you guys all the time and I fucking love it. Um, <laughs> yeah, please reach out to us. You can either, uh, contact us on Facebook or you can email us at sammannymoviepodcast at gmail.com. 
Um, so yeah, please, once again, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, with that being said, uh, for the Samuel Emanuel Movie Podcast, I'm Manny Manuel. And I'm Sam Rammer. Adios!